Welcome to Contingency FM. Today this is our fourth episode of our mini-series on careers. Uh, once again we are joined by... Abby, Jassi, Hamida, Katie. Uh, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> so natural. Um, so yeah, so today we the, we've entitled this episode to F3 or not to F3. That is the question. Hmm. Uh, so uh, we're going to divide this into two parts and we're going to mainly just sort of have a conversation and chat about our own experiences. But the first part is um, uh, kind of based around what we've done and uh, looks at the questions of should, should I take an F3 year? Uh, what are the advantages and disadvantages of that and what kind of things might you do? And the second part we're going to chat about what if medicine isn't for me or you or us. Cool, should we get started then? So... Uh, let's start with uh, Katie. What did you do on your for your now F four five F four F four. So for my F three, I went to Malaysia um, and was a clinical teaching fellow there. So I worked in Newcastle University, um, their campus in Malaysia. I taught across all five years. Um, it was part of a two year job, so I had my job for this year guaranteed so I knew I had it before I left um, and from, so for my F4 year I've been a paediatric teaching fellow um, yeah so that's what I've done um, so, so what, how did you hear about that opportunity? I first heard about it when I was in fourth year actually um, mm. one of the F2s I was on a placement with told me about it and I thought it sounded interesting mm. um, and then you know, when it came close to the time, looked more into it, learnt more about it, spoke to people that it was generally friends of friends that had been. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was. It was. It's a good. It was, for me. It was a good opportunity to go, and live abroad, mm. and travel while still having a job and still getting paid. Yeah. Um, and especially living pretty much the opposite side of the planet you get to yeah. explore I imagine places that you just wouldn't routinely like small small breaks imagine yeah so it was a lot easier for us so I worked 8.30 till 5.30 um, Monday to Friday so I wasn't working evenings usually um, wasn't working weekends um, wasn't working nights so I could you know I could go on a weekend break to mm. A random small place in Malaysia, which mm. you'd never, mm. you'd never go to just for a weekend break mm. from here. Like I went on a, like a lot to a. I went on a long weekend holiday to Bali. <laughs> nice. Because I could, oh, because I could for like yeah. one day's annual leave. I went for like evenings <laughs> out. In, so good. <laughs> <laughs> I went for evenings out in Singapore, like because we were that close to the border. It's just stuff that you mm. you just wouldn't do from the UK. But it's yeah. like, it's like going for. A weekend to France or mm. the Netherlands or something. Yeah. It was, everything was so much closer. Mm. Um, and so for me, it was a good balance between travelling, which mm. I really wanted to do, and working in a field that I was interested yeah. in because I'd always been interested in teaching. Mm. Um, and if I hadn't been, then you know you, there are other jobs you can get. Yeah abroad um, and how was it living like obviously away from family friends and a, a very different culture 
Uh, I presume, I, I'm guessing here, that you hadn't had vast amounts of experience in Malaysian culture? No. Okay. I, I didn't exactly know where Malaysia is, I think, until... Certainly until I was interviewing. I was like, I knew what part of the world it was in, yeah. but I didn't know exactly... South like America, right? No. <laughs> 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 um, I didn't know exactly what it like where it was um and yeah and you are you're not completely immersed in the culture mm. um obviously all your the majority of the students were malaysian uh we did have students from all over actually um i think we had a canadian student like an australian oh, student ones from the middle east um a lot of the staff were from all over as well there were lots of Start from the Philippines, um, other parts of Asia, mm. um, Malaysia, obviously, but there were also a kind of core group of staff from the UK. Mm. Um, so, you w- it wasn't like I was completely on my own living with mm. a load of Malaysian people. I went out as a group of six teaching fellows. I didn't know right. them before I went, um, but we had I had like a ready-made group, and it was all. English people mm. um, so it's, yeah it's not quite as immersive as I think other other potential kind of working abroad jobs could be but this was just my particular little job yeah. um, it's by no means the only kind of European university that has medical schools over there mm. um, it just happens to be I'm a Newcastle graduate, so I knew about mm. the Newcastle campus in Malaysia mm. and the job they offered. Um, Any disadvantages to sort of what you've done, or anything that you would have changed if you could have do it, done it over again? I think in terms of disadvantages, you are a very long way away from your family. Mm. Um, and there was one point when I was over there, I had to come back to the UK very quickly. Right. And even as kind of quickly as you could, it took me about twenty four hours. Yeah. To kind of get everything sorted. Yeah. To get back, and that's worth considering. And it was something actually that I was told before I went by someone who'd been in New Zealand mm-hmm. to um basically have enough money saved that you can get back quickly if you need to. Um. The other thing was because we were working like it wasn't like you could take a month off to go traveling yeah um i think if you really want to travel and can properly travel around mm. you can't do that if you have a job where i think i would i could take a week off at a time yeah um but you did have to timetable it in a little bit and kind of make sure you had your sessions covered if you were supposed to be teaching mm. things um so it wasn't as flexible as I think I thought it was going to be because mm. you kind of think oh clinical that's obviously it's hard to get leave but actually the academic side was hard to take leave as well mm. um, but I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything differently mm. I'd still do it again um, the, uh, one of the things that drew me towards the, that particular job was knowing that I'd have a job to come back to mm. Mm. So I could apply for, I could apply for training once I was back in the UK. Mm. 
That is something to think about, isn't it? Mm. Having to, if you did want to apply in the year that you were in Malaysia, having to fly back for interviews yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. So one of, one, of, one of my friends had to use a decent chunk of his leave to fly back to, he could have got study leave and that, that was on him. <laughs> Shout out to you if you're listening. <laughs> he won't be. <laughs> uh, so he he could have he ended up using his leave to come back to the UK to interview for training mm-hmm. post, um, which is something to think about because a lot of the time yeah. though things might be changing, but generally you can't interview for training posts mm. um, virtually. You yeah, have yeah. to be there in person. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you wherever you're going to. Well, wherever you go in the world, if that's going to be you, you need to. It's because mm. it's a decent haul from a lot of these places people go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I wonder if this is a good segue actually for Jossie to. You had an interesting interview experience for this job. Oh, so for, for <laughs> this <laughs> job. Your face looks so worried. <laughs> um, so, this job as a teaching fellow, I did do an interview um, over Skype. So, I did it in Australia and it was midnight. Um, because it was lunchtime in the UK but you were at like a bus station or something in the middle of nowhere Uh, well we were meant so we were meant to be getting a bus from um, somewhere um, somewhere I can't remember exactly where we were we were going to Sydney we were meant to be getting a bus in the evening and we were going to be in the place we were going to by the time I was meant to be doing the interview but the bus didn't, didn't turn up so we had to kind of scrap that plan and go and find a hotel to stay in for the night in order for me to have internet oh, no. so it was all a bit stressful but it was fine <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so yeah although training programs don't let you mm. kind of interview mm. over skype or whatever it is um often the the kind of standalone out of training program years are more flexible with interviews mm. and particularly in current climate i imagine that will become more yeah. and more mainstream yeah. practice while the focus is on you do you want to chat us? Chat us? <laughs> chat us to us. Tell us. Uh, tell us about what happened last year. What happened? It's like a dramatic thing. What did you do last year and um, this year? Yeah, so I chose after F2 to have a year off, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little bit of locoming, but the, the priority was very much having some long holidays and having as much time as we possibly could completely away from work, completely away from medicine and not thinking about it. Um, so we finished F2 and then went away straight away and went away for kind of four and a half months, came back for interviews, um, so we were back for about six weeks and then we went away again for another kind of two and a half months. Mm. Um, so I didn't do anything career wise, I just did some A&E shifts um, around the holidays, but the holidays very much the focus of the year and yeah. I very much made a um, active decision that that would be the case and that I would spend a whole year not thinking about medicine. That's well, really why was that important to you Jessie? Um, I think I was felt quite aware that it would probably be my last opportunity for a very long time to be able to do that. Mm. That as soon as you're in training and um, life becomes a bit more serious and you potentially want to have a family and properly settle down then you can't do that anymore and um, so I really wanted to make the most of it while while I could mm. absolutely yeah I think that's a big reason why a lot of us take F3s and F4s isn't it mm. definitely how easy did you find it to pick up locum shifts when you were back 
really easy. <laughs> Do you know anyone that has problems? No. I, I really wanted to do a medical job and I mm-hmm. ended up doing a surgical job in um, February, um, in January, half February, but it doesn't really matter. Mm. I think you if you're not. The patients are still patients. Yeah, if you're not super specific about yeah. what you want to do and where, you know, I must do like urology in this hospital, mm-hmm. um, then no. Mm-hmm. It's not, I've not, I've picked yeah. up a few shifts as well. And I, don't. And I, and I actually really enjoyed it I was really nervous about it because I never did a surgical job I'm not surgically minded at all but I really enjoyed the change <laughs> it was quite a nice experience mm-hmm. I've never signed up to my knowledge to any kind of uh, medical on call or locum agency and yet I am called monthly <laughs> by several agencies constantly offering really? shifts yeah and I, d- I don't understand where they get my number from I keep telling them to take my number <laughs> I, th- I think um, it's from other people who have been uh, just trying to locum now, looking at next year, I think perhaps there are slightly less shifts going because they've filled yeah. the, the, especially the um, the core medical training much better in the last couple mm. of years, but there still are shifts and there There'll is still work. There'll always be yeah. shifts available, won't they? There'll always be gaps. Yeah. Yeah. So. They're not, the, and I think this take, like often those gaps might be less favorable, so you might get a higher proportion of nights yeah. and but also they tend to pay better as a result. So. Yeah. Um, what did you get to? Yeah, so I went to, so it was a bit of a hotspot really, but um, so I knew that I wanted to go to New Zealand to work. Mm. Um, their take is in November, so you know, we all kind of rotate around in August. In New Zealand it's in November. Mm. So I kind of wanted to, when we finished F2 in August, um, I kind of wanted to have a bit of time and then go to New Zealand in November to then start with the rest of the like other doctors who were starting their new rotations. Um, so I organised kind of an F3 post uh, for myself, which are like available in most trusts now, um, and they're kind of like foundation rotation posts basically. So I did that in colorectal surgery for four months to take me up to November. Um, and then I'd organised kind of New Zealand during F2 mm. really um, but to be honest it didn't take a lot of organisation mm. I think people get really stressed about you know have, when they go to Australia and New Zealand to work everyone gets quite stressed about you know you've got to get all these things sorted what and get step, all these what official steps do you have to take then? so I, d- I can't speak for Australia and I think there's a few more bits you have mm. to do for that but for New Zealand so I kind of not fell into a job but um, saw I think on Facebook somewhere I'd like a uh, um, advert popped up for working for the Southern DHB in mm. New Zealand. So basically, ha- the same way that we have trusts, New Zealand has DHBs, DHBs. Um, so and you apply to the DHB, and that's basically like a you know a few hospitals somewhere, mm. more spread out because it's New Zealand, it's massive, but still. Um, and then you so you apply to the DHB, and then they find you a post within that. You tell them kind of what you'd like to apply for and stuff, mm. and they advertise posts as a DHB. So um, I saw one for the Southern DHB, I saw that they were doing um, interviews in Newcastle, <laughs> like Bizarre. in like two weeks time from when I'd seen the, uh, the advert. So I was like, great, well, can't hurt. Uh, so went along, had an interview at the Vermont Hotel um, and um, they were really nice. Um, the Southern DHB covers, it's like the south of the South Island, as the title suggests. So it's like um, Dunedin, Invercargill, um, 
those kind of areas. Um, and Dunedin, I knew was a fairly, it's like this, the kind of second, second biggest town in South Island, mm. like city, sorry. Um, so I knew there'd be quite a lot going on there. It's got a university there. Um, the hospital that they wanted me to work at was a tertiary centre, like tertiary for New Zealand. Mm. Um, so I was like, brilliant. Uh, they offered me an Obsangani post, which is what I want to do. Nice. So I thought that'd be really good to do it in a different context. Mm. Um, and then that was it, all sorted. So I got my job. Um, I did all the normal paperwork for jobs that you have to do anywhere. Um, I had to get a few other bits, so I had to get a visa. Um, I knew I didn't want to be there for a really long time because like Katie was mentioning about clinical work and or working in a job in a different country it kind of limits what you can do and how much traveling you can do um, so I knew that I didn't want to be there for ages um, so I just got like a, a working holiday visa kind of thing mm. uh, which made things a lot easier um, and then I applied for medical registration after I got my job which is how you have to do it um, and that was pretty much it really that was mm. that done and then um, I flew to New Zealand in December and worked there for five months and then travelled nice. I finished in April and travelled for two or three months and mm. it was a good springboard because you were kind of like halfway across the world so I kind of took it as uh, my friend came out and we kind of we, we this is so cheesy but we were like we're going to take the long way home and like, <laughs> we went like basically the long way was three months through South, like South Asia um, nice. and we had a great time yeah so um, and then I applied for a teaching fellow job for F4 um, the I really enjoyed being in New Zealand mm. um, it was a re um, it was a very different place to work what I would say is that I was advertised it very differently to how it ended up being okay so I was told that everyone kind of who I'd spoken to about New Zealand has said it was because I'd spoken to a lot of Obsangani mm. kind of people who'd gone across as well and they were like it's a really chill job you know there's obviously it's a much smaller population everything's a lot more rural it's a lot more you know relaxed the hospital that I went to <laughs> was not like that um because it was a tertiary center it's quite busy um we had I had to do quite bad shifts mm. um and so it wasn't quite as advertised mm. um so yeah I think that's something to be aware of yeah that sometimes that yeah that you hear a lot of great stories about you know kind of going abroad and stuff but there are going to always be cons when you're working clinically, aren't yeah. there, realistically? Um, and sometimes the work is more than you kind of bargained for. Yeah. And it definitely was in Dunedin, I would say. Okay. But it was still fun to live somewhere different yeah. and to you know, meet loads of new people. Mm. Um, to be able to travel around New Zealand a bit was really fun when I got a chance. How was it finding like, places to live and stuff like that? Um, where, before yeah. I went over? Yeah. Um, Pretty easy again. Like I, there was a group um, of like Dunedin um, for Dunedin Hospital. Okay. Um, I kind of just posted on there that I was a doctor coming across from England because, but like to be honest, most of New Zealand's workforce, like medical workforce, is medics coming over from England. Like I write, the amount of English like and you know doctors that I ran into in Dunedin was insane. There were loads of us there. Um, because they only have two medical schools mm. in New Zealand so the amount of medics that they churn out isn't really enough to kind of fill all the jobs um, so there were low and people from all over really but mainly England like mainly the UK mm. um, so it was really like people were always coming and going from mm. the UK really and normally mainly in November when 
the tape was changing. So um, yeah, it was really easy. I just posted in there and said, you know, I'm coming across anyone um, got a spare room, and someone did. Cool. Which is a high risk strategy, <laughs> but was fine. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, so yeah. Would you do it again? Um, I would definitely do it again. I would have really regretted not doing it. Um, I would, uh, yeah, I would definitely do it again because I would have always kind of regretted if I'd not done it. But it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it was the job that made it quite, quite difficult. And obviously the job is different in a lot of different places. So, you know, Auckland's different to Dunedin's different, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, the, it was just mainly the job that was busy and mm worse than worse hours than here I would say which was surprising just before we go across the media I just really, actually really want to ask Jossie what was any like downsides of doing what you did or anything that you would have changed looking back um no nothing that I would have changed I think but for me it was really important that mm-hmm. I had that time and yeah. that opportunity and I think I always always would have regretted it if I hadn't mm. um I think that at times during that year when other people were achieving things work-wise that I wasn't achieving that could make me really worried and mm. I feel like I was kind of jeopardizing things and I felt like mm. I should be doing more and I should have done this and I should have done that mm. and I wouldn't change anything I, I did and I was aware that you know that feeling would pass and as, as we progress then that year means far less because mm. three years after graduating that year is quite a big chunk of time but in ten years time it's not going to be significant mm. at all Yeah. Um, so nothing that I would change but it did have its downsides and at times during the year when we weren't travelling it was a, I did wonder if it was a silly choice to have made but I don't think it, it was mm. yeah I'd agree with that because I think people when you say I got a lot of questions in F2 about what you do you know what training program are you going into mm. and because I think that used to be the norm mm. and I think it's even in a few years it's hugely shifted now yeah and I think the majority of people are doing F3 absolutely and it's no detriment to starting specialty um, mm. one thing to be aware of is you need the which we we're going to talk about was that you need to make sure some specialties like you to have kind of less than three and a half years between starting the training programme and foundation. Mm-hmm. So that's something to look into for whatever specialty you want to do. Um, but it's of no detriment when you're starting, like applying for specialty. So mm-hmm. we've had an F3, F4, even F5. Um, and it's actually a massive, like there's a lot to gain, isn't there, from it? Like you had like a lot of uh, And actually on out. my application for IMT, I just put the whole year as, you know, you can put, well, I don't know how yours all works, but on Oreo you have to put like, time out of training mm. yeah um and everyone was telling me i couldn't just put a year but i just put the whole year as time out of training and i oh. put, traveled and did some locums mm. yeah and no one looked twice at it no one questioned it no one even mentioned it so no one's bothered it's so it's such it's really the norm now mm. um and it's it's like okay to take a step back and reevaluate mm. after f2 in fact it's a really natural breaking point and actually i suppose the other thing that might be a downside but i missed it like i missed being in the hospital and i missed being a doctor that was really nice because yeah. you work so hard <laughs> that it makes you wonder if it's worth it and if you're doing the right thing but yeah actually not doing it and missing it for me was a really really important way of knowing that it was the right thing for me to be doing mm. yeah that's it and yeah and I think working in a different country made me realize how lucky we are to have our infrastructure and our NHS here 
I think that's another thing to think as well. It kind of made me realise that actually as much as I do kind of find the NHS difficult to work within, sometimes we are actually really lucky. I think we're actually more protected in our jobs here than yeah. I, I realised and I looked at the Malaysian equivalent of the F1s and how hard they were working and yeah. you know, 16 hour days every day, yeah. like four hours of sleep for two weeks. It's, Compa- hard, it? it's yeah. compared to, yeah, we are much yeah. more protected That's, than we yeah. realise. I mean, we don't even have, in New Zealand, we didn't have the European working directive, yeah. so, mm. I mean, we won't soon, but, um, <laughs> and like, yeah, I could work, I think there was one week I worked like 90 hours or something, mm. and that was fine. That was, I got paid for it, but they were like, yeah, crack on, and that, it, like, six hours between shifts isn't really enough. No. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, so, yeah, I think, um, that's that it makes you realize kind of we are quite lucky in that respect yeah definitely Hamida what did you get up to so I think I'm the only person who's only did an F3 year here so all of you guys are on your F4 yeah um for me when I was considering what I was going to do after F2 I had to factor in immigration laws and Mm -hmm. visa laws because I'm Uh, I'm a European citizen but I'm not a UK citizen and at the time it was just when Brexit was being uh, well put in motion and finalised and there was a lot of uncertainty about whether or not I would need a visa to continue staying in this country or any other type of application or residence permit Um, some of you might be aware that if you are on a visa in this country working as an F1 or F2 you have to have a training program in order to have your visa extended and if you're not in a training program you lose that you know ability to be able to stay here so a lot of my friends who are from abroad and not eu had to go into a training program they didn't have an option of an f3 year mm. and because of the uh, political uncertainty I, we weren't sure if i would then fall into that same category so it was a tough decision to think you know should i apply for training at the time or should i try and go for the F3 year that I always planned that I wanted to do. Um, eventually, as we all remember, Brexit didn't go as smoothly as planned, so um, I took a bet and thought that things wouldn't change as drastically or dramatically um, as maybe we thought they would initially, so I chose to go for the F3 year, and I'm very, very glad that I did. Um, but I do want to just highlight that it is it is a privilege that not everybody will have and if you don't that's absolutely fine you have to do what's mm. right for you mm. yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, and you're not going to be missing out majorly on anything you have to just make the right decision for yeah. for yourself and your circumstances um but i always knew that i wanted to do a teaching fellow year and as much as i did want to travel and kind of explore i realized that i wanted to go for surgery and to get into that training program you, you do have to have a strong cv that is the truth of it and I wanted to make sure whatever I, I did in my year off would be something that would then help with my career going mm. forward. Mm. Um, so because I have a, a genuine interest in teaching, um, that was kind of what I was looking out for. And then I was lucky enough to find this job, which is 50% teaching and 50% clinical work in surgery. So that just kind of felt like a win-win situation for me. Mm. Um, and not only do you get the experience of being clinical, building up your logbook, your skills, Um, Not only do you get the teaching experience, um, but you also get a degree out of this kind of job, Mm -hmm. and a lot of teaching fellow jobs um, have that added benefit. So that is something that you may want to consider um, in terms of using your year out. A part of me wonders if I would have, if I would have had a 
nicer time if I'd been abroad and you know been able to travel. Mm. Well, little did we know that Miss Rona would be <laughs> exactly <laughs> <working> <laughs> here. So in some respect, maybe you know it all worked out like it should have for a reason. Um, but like I said, I would have very very much enjoyed traveling and and exploring. But I I think I had to just go with what my priority was at the time mm. and it was to to make sure that I could get into into a training program mm. at this at this time just um to touch on something you said that you know if you can't for whatever reason do an F3 year it's not it isn't your only opportunity to do something else it's not your mm. only opportunity mm. to go traveling you can have you know breaks after core training if you're not on a run through you can have out of program experiences mm-hmm. it's mm. This it's not the be no. all and end all. It's not like oh now you're in a training yeah. program after F two, mm. I'm stuck. I can never yeah. do anything else again. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Gone. Because I was saying like I've ch- chose to do this because I think well I got married just before I started, so this is my second year in this teaching fellow post. I got married just before I did that, and because of that decided that we weren't going to move abroad or go travelling, um, just because Carmen had moved. 18 addresses in four years and I think she was like I just want to stay somewhere for a while mm-hmm. so 18 addresses in four years yeah yeah she's done like a lot of moving god <laughs> sounds um, like it <laughs> so I think so So we made that decision together but then I think once I finished GP training mm-hmm. um, and actually like sometimes people can say oh if you, once you have kids you can't move around I, 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 I know a lot of people I think you can really limit yourself by what you by saying stuff like that and I think even like having kids shouldn't be a barrier. If you want to go traveling, mm-hmm. if you want to go explore somewhere else in a different place, um, if you're really desperate, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Even if you have kids, it mm-hmm. it takes more planning. It takes more. There there will be some limits, mm-hmm. but like yeah. When I was, make it work for you. Yeah, because yeah. when I was away, we um, we met a an Australian couple in um, Malaysia mm. after my friend had got stung by a jellyfish. Um, and he showed a lot to do because we were all like, ah. Um, but they were on holiday. They're on a year-long like tra- uh, holiday traveling with their two kids who were both four. And, f- and uh, yeah. they were, they'd just taken out of school and had, were basically just going on a year's travel yeah. with awesome. their kids. And it That's was awesome. amazing. And they, like, it, they were like, yeah, it's tricky, mm. but we're doing it and it's great. Yeah. And the kids are absolutely loving it. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. grown up for a year in loads of different cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah I think that's I think that's a really important point that you can take there are natural career breaks where you can yeah. do that and I mean I because I'm doing like run through I was really aware that F3 F4 was kind of like you know mm-hmm. probably a bit of a last chance but I think when you've got natural breaks like in mm-hmm. surgery with core training and stuff mm-hmm. yeah. the, you've got the opportunity to there aren't you so you know it's not kind of lost forever Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is like nice to bear in mind isn't it yeah. for people who are struggling like you know mm-hmm. everything's a bit up in the air post mm-hmm. F2 I think it's also we need to be aware that it traveling does have a significant financial burden that not everybody can mm-hmm. bear, especially right after F two. Yeah. People have different responsibilities, different mm-hmm. um, things that they need to take care of. So again, um, it, it is about making sure that you are in a position to do what you want to do. Yeah. And there's no pressure to do what you th- what people think you should do or what is accepted as the normal. Yeah. I mean, I know I wouldn't have been able to just go traveling without having working. That, yeah, that's why I did. It's, I did the yeah. job in New Zealand because I couldn't have afforded to just you know that kind of them funded mm-hmm. 
my travel then and like you've you had to load so we, stuff and well we saved a lot of money kind of over foundation we didn't have big holidays we didn't yeah we were very frugal mm. um and then traveled very cheaply yeah we um <laughs> but that still wouldn't be possible for everyone yeah um, yeah and it was a struggle and it was a, a choice that we made mm-hmm. yeah and uh, priority we chose but mm. i can you know people have different priorities and that's mm. normal mm. and completely fine mm-hmm. yeah i think i'm I've, I've mentioned that i'm sort of doing second year teaching fellow post um uh, i kind of made that decision fairly but halfway through foundation I think I decided that's what I wanted to do after I decided we weren't going to travel so I, I think I did make it partly for a, I think I was just interested in teaching I enjoyed teaching I, I probably made it for a slight sort of career decision in that in the sense of, of I'd like to explore this further and this feels like the right step I didn't know much about what other opportunities exist in medical ed- education um, which is a lot more than I realised um, and so um, applied all around the region. This is the one at the South Tyne side is, is one I got. Um, has been a really, really great post um, for me. Really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's been difficult at times looking at other people who gone travelling. <laughs> it's sort of had the opposite thing to Jossie. I think where I've been <laughs> like, oh, maybe I'd like to go there. I'll do this, and I think I was planning to do that at the end of this year. Obviously, that's been postponed. Um, mm. But. Um, uh, no, I don't definitely don't regret it. I think it's been really a very interesting year or a couple of years. I think I feel I feel like I've managed to sort of develop myself mm-hmm. and especially because I think I've had so many questions about medicine to be able to um I think take time to be qu- quite sort of self reflective and work out what is it I enjoy and even things like actually really, really enjoy long term projects which take months or a whole year to work on I didn't know that I knew I, I like that because I'd just been so busy with like mm. get a patient in patient out patient in patient out and so actually that's really important for me to realize that about myself that I enjoy long-term projects because now that will inform the kind of positions that I might go for in the future I think. Mm. so what why did you decide to do a second teaching for the year and what do you think you've gained from it yeah, so actually when I decided to do that, there was this, I do think anyone said it, but there was this sort of, I, even then I think this like subconscious idea of like, oh, why would you take a second year, you're just repeating the same, like you need to get on with your life, you need to get on with training. Um, and so I kind of felt almost like, not, not ashamed, but sort of like, a bit like kind of doing a second year, um, almost like I couldn't do that. Um, and like I had to justify it, but actually it's been such a good uh, experience for multiple reasons. Been funded to do the PG Dip, which is uh, the, the diploma, which is the second sort of the second third of a master's in medical education, which has been really really interesting. Um, it's given me an opportunity to uh, reflect, develop, and build on a lot of the things that I did last year. So I think last year was I felt almost felt like eyes open to medical education, and this year has been much more deliberate and purposeful, and being able to continue some uh, sort of research projects that I did last year. Um, and sort of review them again a second year round, um, uh, develop my own teaching skill, um, and I think it really prepared me for even just some more breathing time as well. Mm. I think I just wasn't ready to go into GP training, and 
uh, advantage of that was I then heard about the academic clinical fellowship in medical education, so I wouldn't have applied for that uh, last year. Because mm -hmm. I think applications come so soon, I just wanted more time just to know what's out there. So. Mm -hmm. I think it's also nice to know that what you're doing for two years. Mm. I've Definitely. not known that ever. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know foundation you do, yeah. but you change every four months. There's no continuity there, and yeah. uncertainty is a massive part of medicine. But sometimes it's nice to have that uncertainty removed, mm. and you know what I mean. And like, you know, yeah. just be able to just yeah, because I think no, like, it would be set for two years sounds actually quite relaxing. Because you can end up spending four to five months prepping for an interview, like in terms of like stuffing together CV evidence thinking about where you're going to apply and stuff like that. And it, or it can just occupy headspace. And I think I had a, a solid year and a half where I didn't have to think about that. Mm. Uh, so we're going to wrap up uh, this episode there and we're going to chat in the next episode about what to do if you uh, are considering uh, medicine might not be for you. Um, join us next time. This has been Contingency FM.